We all know that technology is changing our world. It's the ch it changes the way that we communicate and connect with each other. It changes the things that we need in our lives, changes manufacturing. And, and one of the ways that technology has changed our world is that a lot of the, the crafts that were really important for the culture have disappeared over the years because of how technology either produces things or makes some things obsolete. The Heritage Craft Association each year lists uh, uh, or presents a list of endangered arts, things that are disappearing and may be gone altogether very soon. And so this year's list was a little bit interesting. New on the list of endangered arts was compass making. I don't think we have any compass makers in the room at all, do we? We don't need them, right? We have it on our phone. Most of us, if we need a compass, we can just pull out our phone, open the app, and there it is. So it's one of those things that's not as needed as it used to be. Continuing on the list was horse collar making, okay? That one's not too surprising. Outside of Arthur, probably not any horse collar makers in the state of Illinois. Who knows? Another new one on the list was glass eye making, okay? Now, that's either good news because there's not as many people who need glass eyes or bad news because now they're produced in some factory somewhere and we need a lot more. I don't know, but there's not as many glass eye makers and there's not as many brand new on the list wooden fishing net makers. Now, I would have thought that would have shown up in about 1922, not 2022, but it's brand new on the list. It's just one more of these things that's about to become a lost art. And today we begin a series in which I want to think about an art that maybe is not lost, maybe was never fully developed. The art of giving thanks. Uh, some of us know we should give thanks more. We think that's a really good thing and this month rolls around every year and we think, well, I should, I should give thanks more often, but then we we sort of forget and we get to thinking about the things that we don't have and the things that we would like to change and we forget to give thanks. So for the next few weeks, as we lead through the Thanksgiving season, I'd like for us to think about this, maybe this unknown or secret art of giving thanks and find some help in scripture from people who did it very well. Now, the truth is, giving thanks can take lots of different forms, okay? We're, we're writing things on these notes on the wall. That's a way of giving thanks. Lots of ways that we could do that in a worship service, write a note, but it also depends on who we're giving thanks to. So thanksgiving could be directed toward God, right? I mean, that's part of giving thanks. We give thanks to God for things that he's done. And we could also give thanks to each other. That's a form of giving thanks as well, and one that's really healthy. So there's lots of ways to give thanks, lots of direction to give thanks as well. So we're going to talk about a number of those as we walk through this series. And the one that we come, we've come to today that Mike already mentioned, I failed at last week, okay? It just happened to be that last Sunday, which if you'll remember, was the day before Halloween, the day before a person in my household who will remain nameless decided that Sunday afternoon was the time to make a Halloween costume. Now, I didn't exactly exude confidence over this whole project. And there's a reason for that. It's because I've been a dad for 22 years and I know how these things usually roll and it usually ends up in tears, okay? So 
she sort of felt like I wasn't encouraging enough. In the words of Darth Vader, she might have said, I find your lack of faith disturbing, okay? <laughs> but in the end, I have to admit, it all worked out. She got it done, and it looked great. And I said, well, you know what? I have to tell you, I was wrong. You did a great job. And she said, Dad, maybe your gift is just not encouraging. And, and I was lucky enough to have already scheduled a sermon on encouragement the very next Sunday, right? That's the way it usually works. It all comes home to roost. But encouragement really is important. It does matter. And I want us to think about the connection today between encouragement and thanksgiving. And we'll find that if we turn to Colossians. Now we're going to begin sort of in Colossians chapter 3 all the way through this series. The basis for this series is three verses that we find in Colossians chapter 3 verses 15, 16, and 17. And Paul has really laid out for the Colossian Christians, listen, you have been baptized, you've committed your faith, your life to Jesus, and this is what should change if you've been baptized into Christ. This new life, let me describe it to you. He sums a lot of that up in really general terms, beginning in Colossians 3.15. So we're just going to look at the first two verses of that section today because Paul introduces all that here. So Paul says this, Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Now, as Paul says that, he's saying Jesus has, has changed everything, all right? Jesus has changed your relationship with God. He has brought peace between you and God. And because Jesus is a person, an example of peace, we as followers of Jesus need to be a people of peace. So he's talking to the church. He's talking to us as a body, not as just a group of individuals who happen to show up here on Sunday morning, but as the community of faith, okay? And he says, I've talked about this before, let the peace of Christ rule or umpire. That's really the word there. So that's what decides between us, the peace of Christ. And then the last three words of that verse, and be thankful. Now he's framing thanksgiving in the body. He's framing Thanksgiving as something we do as a community. So my Thanksgiving is not just something between me and God. My Thanksgiving is not just something between me and another person. Thanksgiving is something that we do as a body of believers. It is something we do as a community. So it's important to our body life to be people who give thanks. So Paul's establishing that up front, and that's going to run all the way through this series as we think about it, that thanksgiving is a communal act. Now, verse 16, let the message of Christ, so he's had the peace of Christ, now the message of Christ, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now, almost all the time when we come to Colossians 3.16, what we talk about is worship. Well, why? Because he's talking about worship, right? The second half of the verse is all about how we worship. And again, this is as a body and the kinds of things that we do. And part of what we do is sing. Now, we've just finished five weeks on a series uh, that was based in the Psalms, which is just what Paul's talking about here. So it's right to talk about worship, but that's not everything, is it? 
Sometimes we miss the first half of the verse where he says that we are called that through the message of Jesus, we should teach and admonish one another. Now, one of the ways we do that is through our worship. But as we think about teaching and admonishing, Paul's just talked about and be thankful, then teach and admonish one another. Now, we notice he doesn't say, okay, you've got a group of teachers and then you've got everybody else and the teachers teach everyone else. That's not the way he words that, is it? Teach and admonish one another. So we all have something to learn from each other. Yes, I stand up here and, and I teach most Sundays of the year, but I still have things to learn from you. And that might be in conversation or it might be in a group or a class in which I'm not leading, I'm learning. So we teach and admonish one another. So that's something, again, we do as a body of believers. He says teach. We get that from the teaching of Jesus. But then this word admonish comes up. And that has some different shades of meaning, doesn't it? It, it might mean that I'm admonishing, I'm encouraging you not to do something. Because there's something destructive in your life. And I know it's really going to be harmful if you keep walking down that path. So I say, watch this. This could destroy you. This could destroy your family. You need to stop, okay? So we're, we're admonishing someone to stop doing something. But admonishing can also have a positive side in which we're encouraging someone to do something positive. And I think Paul does that very thing at the beginning of this letter. So turn with me back a page or two to Colossians chapter 1. Now remember, Paul wrote this letter. He wrote it to these Christians in the ancient city of Colossae. He had never been there. He had not met most of them. Uh, a man named Epaphras had come from them, learned about Jesus from Paul, and after he became a Christian, took that message back to these Christians. And then Paul had heard about this new church that had formed in Colossae and the great things that they were doing. Okay, And this is how he responds back to them. So a man named Tychicus took this letter from Paul to the Christians in Colossae, stood up and read the letter. Okay, So pretend for a moment you're these new Christians in Colossae. You've heard about this great teacher Paul. He's an apostle. He knows Jesus in an amazing way, and he's heard about you. This is what he writes about you, okay? Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So thanksgiving's right there at the beginning. Paul's thanking God for them. Now, how do you hear this? Paul, this apostle, is thanking God for us. Why? Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. Paul's heard about our faith, our love, our hope in Jesus, and he's giving thanks to God for that. Now, how does that strike you as brand new Christians who have just heard about this amazing teacher, Paul? To me, what that's going to do is encourage. Paul's saying, this, this is what you've already done. 
You put your faith in Jesus and it's creating love and hope. There are great things that are already happening in you. And these Christians, these new Christians are thinking, man, we must be on the right track. We must be doing something well for Paul to, to thank God for who we are and what we're doing. Do you see how that's encouragement right here at the beginning? Do you see how Paul is admonishing them to grow in their faith? Now, we take that a step further. So Paul's talking about what they're already at work doing. But then let's skip down to verse 9. For this reason, for all the things that are already going on in them, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. So, so Paul heard about us, and he, like he must be praying every day for us. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So, so what's Paul praying for us for? He's praying for us to have knowledge and wisdom. In other words, to be growing in our faith together. So Paul has moved from, man, I've heard some really good things about you. That must have been an encouragement. Two, here's what I'm praying for you. This is what I want to be at work in you, and this is what I'm asking God to do for you, okay? Is that God would be building these things up, and there's a reason for that, verse 10, so that you may, you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So Paul is praying that these things from Jesus would be at work in us, so our lives will look different. So, so we're going to be bearing fruit. We're going to be doing something. So, so through this prayer, Paul is encouraging them that their lives should show this relationship with Jesus. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks, it shows up here again, to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So Paul's saying, listen, part of what you need to know is it's not always going to be easy. And there are going to be times when you are going to have to depend on the strength and power of God. And I am praying that you'll have that. I'm praying that that's going to be present in your life and that you're going to end up sharing in the inheritance that comes to all the people of God. Now, do you see what Paul has done? Without saying, let me tell you how great you are, he said, man, God is at work in you and I am encouraged because of what God is doing in you. How do they hear that? We're on the right track. And here's what I want for you. I want you to have wisdom and knowledge and love and faith and hope and endurance. And I want you to bear fruit and I want you to grow. And how do you think they heard that? Look at what is in front of us if we just keep following Jesus. Do you see how Paul admonished them? And in his admonishment, it was all encouragement. And it strikes me here. That in these two passages in which giving thanks has shown up at least three times, part of the way that Paul has shown his thanksgiving for these people is to encourage them. I mean, he's clearly excited about what's going on in their lives. He has heard back from Epaphras. Epaphras was with Paul when he wrote this letter. So Epaphras has, 
has reported back to Paul, man, they're on fire. They're doing some stuff. And Paul wants to keep that going. And he has given thanks to God because of them. So here's our lesson. Encouragement communicates thanks. Now, one of the ways that we think about Thanksgiving is our relationship with God, and it absolutely should. Part of what Paul is saying is to give thanks to God. We should be doing that. And that's part of what we're writing on this wall back here. But part of our giving thanks, our thanksgiving, is for and to each other. And one of the ways that we show our thanksgiving for each other is to admonish and encourage one another. So we have to ask ourselves, how are we doing with that, right? Uh, remember my own family. This wasn't a big deal, but was expecting encouragement from me, and I gave just the opposite. I want to be a dad who's known for encouragement and a mist. So how do we do this? Well, I think there's a twofold way to show people encouragement. And the first is tell people what they've done. That, that's what Paul did, right? He said, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm hearing about your faith at work in your lives and how you've changed and how things are growing in you. This is, this is what I've seen and heard, okay? It's powerful stuff. Tell people what they've done. Tell them what they've done well. Tell them something that they've said or done that has been meaningful to you or that you have seen and, and it's shown their growing relationship in Christ. That is encouragement. You know, some of you will come out and say, man, that sermon was meaningful to me today because. And, and that means a lot to me. Not because it just makes me feel good, which it does, but it says the work you put in to prepare for this time made a difference for me. And that helps me know what to do in the future. And I think we're all that way. Like when we've done something well, when someone stands and is brave enough to come and do a communion meditation and we are blessed because we're led to the Lord's table through what that person says, we should tell them. We should encourage them. When we see someone doing something that's meaningful to maybe someone in our church, teaching a class or just hanging out with the kids in a way that builds them up, we need to encourage them and say, that's meaningful to me. The way they're leading worship, the way they're leading a Bible study, we want to say that encourages me and I want to encourage you. I'm giving thanks by encouraging you. We need to tell them what they've done. And then we need to tell them what they're capable of. I've seen you do this. Man, I, I believe you could do this. I had a number of people when I was young who said, hey, I, I think you can do this. And I think you can do a communion meditation. I think you can help serve communion. I think you can work with this group of people. And, and that brought me into ministry. We want to tell people Hey, I think you can go to the next level. And not only that, let me walk with you. Let me help you. You see, that encouragement says, I'm thankful for you, and I believe God can do even more. And man, that means a lot. When someone says, you've done well, and I think God can do something even more through and with you, 
That's encouragement. That says there's more. There's more that I have to offer. There's more that I can do. See, encouragement communicates thanksgiving. When we encourage someone, we are showing, I am thankful for you. I'm thankful for who you are. I'm thankful for what you've done. And I believe you can do even more. So, people say you're an encourager. Man, I want to be. I want to be someone that people will look back on and say, you know, because James said you can do this, I took the next step. And I've been doing that for 10, 20, 30 years. I might not have done it if James hadn't encouraged me to do that. And I bet many of you want to be that person too. Well, guess what? Usually we have to be pretty intentional about it. We have to make that choice to speak up, to do it. And when we do, we're doing two things. We're encouraging and we're giving thanks. Let's pray together. God, help us to be a group of encouragers, a group of people who build each other up and show our thanksgiving to each other for what people have done and what's been meaningful, what's made a difference, and also a group of people who encourage each other to do more, to spur one another on to righteous things. God, lead us in that direction. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to the message of Jesus. It's the message that Epaphras took from Paul back to his hometown in Colossae. The message that Christ had died on the cross to offer forgiveness and had been raised from the dead in order to offer eternal life. If you're ready to receive that gift, we'd love to talk with you about the steps that have been put out for us in Scripture and how we can make that commitment. If you've made that decision, let us know. Come forward as we stand and sing our invitation. Let's stand together.